The Holy Gospel according to St. John, the 20th chapter. Glory to you, O Lord. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you. When he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they are retained. But Thomas, who was called the twin, one of the twelve, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, We have seen the Lord. But he said to them, Unless I see the mark of the nails in his hand and put my finger in the mark of the nails and my hand in his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were again in the house, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were shut, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. Reach out your hand and put it in my side. Do not doubt, but believe. Thomas answered him, My Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet come to believe. Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not written in this book, but these are written, so that you may come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that through believing, you may have life in his name. The Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, O Christ. The assembly may be seated. Grace to you and peace from he who is, and who was, and who is to come. Amen. Like it or not, we live in a world where reputations matter. Our reputations matter, and so what we do in this life can leave a lasting impact. Good or bad, what we do is oftentimes defining how it is that we will be remembered in the long term. Truthfully, for better or worse, sometimes it's a singular moment that stands out. It's that singular moment that defines us for the rest of our lives. Ask Aaron Burr how that feels, right? He's remembered for shooting Alexander Hamilton. But I've learned something, right? That he's an excellent singer as well, right? So at least he's got that going for him. Or or ask Steve Bartman of 2003 Chicago Cubs championship-bound team that was for better or worse, blamed on his one action, right? Which, again, we've all come to realize wasn't really his fault. Alex Gonzalez could have caught the ground ball, but I digress, right? The point is, we remember people sometimes, fair or not, for a singular event in their lives. That would be like people remembering me as the science room vomiter because the one time in fifth grade I ate too much breakfast and I thought I could make it to the bathroom in time. I got outside the room and I puked outside the room. So then I went downstairs to the office to call my parents. and like, hey, did you hear about the kid who puked upstairs? I'm like, no, that's weird. Who would do that? Can my mom pick me up? Yeah, people don't remember those things and no one ever calls me that anymore, right? So we're good. See, we sometimes are remembered by one thing. And that's very clear today, right? I I did my research for my sermon, and as I sat down, I did the thing you should always do as a pastor. You start with Google, right? And so I Googled Thomas the Apostle. And Google has this really cool thing that they do now is they give you this little, like, sub-search bar that has frequently asked questions related to your search. And guess what the top question was? 
what is Thomas the Apostle known for? And I clicked on it. And can you guess what it said? Doubting. Of course. He's known for that one moment of doubt, which is completely unfair. Because if you're an adult and clicked on his Wikipedia article like I did, you'll see he's so much more. In fact, he is the first person to recognize the divinity of the risen Lord Jesus Christ, as we heard in our gospel reading this morning from John. He's also the patron saint of India, having spread the church the good word testifying to people who had previously not known of Jesus Christ. This man did so many amazing things in his life. And yet, this year, this time every year, we hear the story of doubting Thomas, and it is truly, truly a shame, in my opinion, because we gloss over all the good for a singular moment that, at best, is misremembered. That singular moment occurs today in John's Gospel. In John's Gospel, today, we have the Johannine Pentecost story, the moment where the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene and who's not in our opening scene is Thomas, right? See, leading into this moment, Mary Magdalene has witnessed to the resurrected Lord, told the disciples about it, and their response is what any person of faith would be. They lock themselves up in fear in their house, hoping that it's not real. Right? That's what they're doing. And it's them, the ten of them. Thomas isn't with them. I like to think that Thomas has to go buy groceries for them. You know, that DoorDash wasn't delivering or whatever, so they had to kind of do it this, that way. So Thomas isn't there. And when Thomas isn't there, something amazing happens. Through the locked doors, the risen Lord shows up, shows up, shows them his wounds, breathes on them the Holy Spirit, and commissions them to go out into the world. In other words, transforms them from disciples who follow to apostles who go out and share. Share the forgiveness, the love, and the peace that Christ has first shared with them. And they're told to go. Fast forward a week. Where are they? Right where we left them. They don't listen to the risen Lord. They're still in the locked house. Only now, Thomas is back from all these. And so Thomas is back with them, right? And together they're sitting there, and Thomas has got a serious case of FOMO, right? The fear of missing out thing, right? Because what he missed out on was actually pretty amazing, right? I mean, I think about we went to Disney World last year, and we were in the little Star Wars section, and Chewbacca walked past, and I didn't see him, and it, like, bothered me the rest of the day. I, my head was on a swivel looking for that Wookiee. So I can't imagine what it must be like to miss the risen Lord and Savior if that's how I felt when Chewbacca walked by, right? This is crazy. So we have to understand that Thomas is rightfully upset. But I think more importantly is understanding Thomas's request. You see, Thomas is just looking for the communal experience that everybody else has already had and received without even having to ask. You see, Mary Magdalene shows up, sees the risen Lord, and is able to report, I've seen the risen Lord. The ten other disciples, sitting locked in their own house, get to see the risen Lord. They didn't ask for it. So the only difference here is that Thomas is asking for that which he knows others have already experienced. You can't blame him, because it's an amazing thing. And, let's be honest, when Thomas finally does have that experience, his response is not of fear, but faith. He immediately proclaims, my Lord and my God, the very thing that we should remember him for. 
a proclamation of Jesus' divinity in the resurrection. And that's unique. What's unique today is Thomas fills a very special role, at least in John's gospel, perhaps throughout all of them. Thomas, you see, is going to be one of the last people for whom seeing is believing, for whom seeing the risen Lord is the means by which he came to faith. And if it's with that in mind that we listen to Jesus' response, I think it paints a slightly different picture. Because Jesus' response to Thomas' immediate proclamation of faith and belief is, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who haven't seen me and yet come to believe. And I think Jesus is intentional when he says that. Because Jesus knows that as Thomas is sent as an apostle, that he's going to be tasked with helping people to believe without seeing. And so Jesus is pre-blessing those people. He's sending Thomas with the blessing for those others who will not have the same chance that he's had to come to belief by seeing the risen Lord in flesh and blood in front of them. The very thing that we have to work through. We don't get that experience. We have come to see without believing. But... It doesn't mean that Christ isn't present here now. In fact, I would argue that Christ is very much here all around us if we're willing to engage the experience fully within this community. This community which is the living, breathing body of Christ today. We, see, we hear this when we share the words of peace that we shared this morning or when we sing hymns of praise to the risen Lord throughout this season of Easter when we touch the waters of baptism, we experience the risen Lord. Or perhaps when we smell the oil that we're anointed with, with that cross on our forehead, the smells are what reminds us that we are sealed with the Holy Spirit, the very same Spirit that Christ breathes on his apostles here this morning. Or perhaps it's tasting. It's tasting the bread and the wine. Christ's body and blood broken and poured for us that brings us to believe, to know that we are loved and that we therefore are worthy of God's forgiveness regardless of what the world may throw at us. And maybe, maybe seeing is believing, but in a different way. Because you see, every week I see this community gather as the body of Christ. And what I think is awesome is that it's never the same. This body of Christ is unique each and every time we gather together. It is unique in how it's built. It's even unique in the wounds in which we bring with us as this body of Christ. And yet, as unique as this body is, as varied as it may be throughout the millennia, our mission is the same. Our mission is to go out into the world to not be locked up in here, but go out and to share and proclaim that Christ is risen. To share and proclaim that we are forgiven and that so are others. To ensure that the world know that peace is God's plan for the world. Now, that being said, here at St. Paul, our understanding of that mission comes out in our mission statement, right? Loved by God. We grow, care, give, and share in Jesus' name. That's how we as modern-day apostles have interpreted the work that the original apostles were sent with. And that's wonderful. But it's also important that we recognize 
that even as we gather as the body of Christ, and even as we proclaim Christ as our Savior, as we do all of this stuff, that doubt will still dance with belief. It's part of life. We all will go through those moments where our doubts will creep in and make us challenge what we previously firmly and undoubtedly believed. Which is why I think it's significant that as we gather at this table to be fed, to be refreshed, to be forgiven, that we invite all people, including believers, doubters, and doubting believers because we are all beloved and perhaps blessed children of God. And that, you see, that is the good news today. That whether we have our doubts or our beliefs, it doesn't matter because at the end of the day, we are apostles. We are gathered and we are sent and we are filled with the Holy Spirit now and forever. Alleluia. Christ is risen.